it's just us. And we prayed for you as well. So. Children will come up at the end. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our church at 10 this new year. And a happy new year to everyone, um, if I haven't seen you. Let's pray that it's a, a blessed new year for each one of us. Um, has everybody got a, a glow stick? If you haven't, um, the church wardens have got a few spares. The purpose of those will become apparent in a minute, so don't break them yet. Uh, we haven't got any notices today. Oh, we have. <laughs> Peter, come on up. <laughs> I forgot to say to her, so we've got a couple of notices. Um, we pray, uh, the first end of the month in the evening, we pray as a church, and uh, uh, we call it one um, because it's it, for one hour for the purpose of uh, praying to our God, who is one God, three in one. So we pray at seven o'clock for an hour. 
Um, this evening, we're going to, the format will be very, very simple. We're going to literally um, just have quiet and listen to God. Uh, we're going to sit in his presence and, and listen for his voice and hear what he wants to say to us at the start of a new year. So if you'd like to come, we're going to just gather for an hour between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock in church and, and, and be quiet with God. Um, so very welcome to come. Uh, what we'll do towards the end of the hour is gather any words, pictures, um, scriptures that have been um, heard, and we'll gather those uh, towards the end of the hour, so 7 o'clock tonight. The only other thing to say is, uh, obviously, start of New Year, lots of things are restarting this week, sunbeams, coffee in the room, home groups, school assemblies, and so on. Uh, keep all of that in your prayers, please, as all of that starts up. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Peter. There should be an opening prayer come on the screen with some responses. Here we go. If you could say the words in italic, that's the words that begin with the star. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. The star in the dark sky heralded his coming. Led by the light of the star, the wise ones came to pay homage. We too come to the stable, seeking the infant king. Come, arise, shine, the light has come. God's light of love is shining upon us. Amen. And we're going to sing a, a lovely carol that we don't get opportunity to sing very often. We three kings. Would you like to stand if you're able and we'll join together in song.
forgive us for the times we have hidden your light in us. Help us to shine for you, to let the light of you shine out through our lives and to help make the world a brighter place. We thank you that you forgive us when we ask and that you help us to move on to love you more. Amen. Now then, does everyone know how these work? You break them, just bend them, and you should get a really bright light. And we're going to sing um, that well-known song, Shine, Jesus, Shine. So it would be lovely if we could really make this place shine by waving our light sticks around or walking up and down the aisles. Um, and when Sue can see enough to read the music, we'll sing.
Father, as we've raised our lights before you, so may we as a church be your light in this place and this community. Lord, may this coming year be a place where folk come to find and see and accept your light into their lives. Amen. Um, please be seated, and the children are going to go out now, so let's pray for them as they, they go out, and for the folk, their leaders. So, Father, we pray for our young people um, as they go out to the, to the groups. We thank you for them, and we thank you for the folk who are leading them this morning. We pray that they will hear your voice as they do their activities and listen and talk together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're just going to sing a more reflective song, a quiet song, as we lead into our sermon and reading. And if you would like to, please stay seated for this.
Ellie's going to bring us our reading and then Peter will come and preach. The reading is taken from the first book of Timothy, chapter 1, starting at the first verse. And in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1191. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Saviour, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Timothy charged to oppose false teachers. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, Stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, and uh, Happy New Year from me. Happy New Year, Paul. So we're beginning a, a new sermon series today. We're going to be looking at this letter. 1 Timothy. We're going to be looking at it for a few weeks uh, until the start of Lent. Uh, I don't know if you know this letter at all. It is a fascinating letter. Uh, I would really encourage you, as I said to the nine o'clock people, to sit down with a cup of coffee over the next couple of days, few days, and read the letter through as a whole. Uh, it will help you to um, get a sweep of what Paul is teaching uh, in this letter, and it will be good for your soul. Uh, what I want to do today is introduce the letter to you a bit, and uh, then we'll look at the we'll look at the first section of uh, chapter one uh, this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. And in subsequent weeks, uh, myself and other preachers will unpack the letter a little bit more as we look at uh, chapters one, two, and into chapter three. But as I say, do take the time yourself uh, to read the letter uh, uh, at your own pace in your own time. One of the main things you need to understand about this letter is who is writing it and who he is writing to. The letter, of course, is from St. Paul, who is the great apostolic teacher of the early church, and it is addressed to a young man whose name is Timothy. We know that from the first two verses in the letter. So uh, if you've got it in front of you or it might be on the screen, we can read it. It says, Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy is the church leader that Paul has chosen to lead the church in the ancient Roman city of Ephesus in what we now know as modern-day Turkey. Uh, You may remember, if you are a regular here, we looked at Paul's letter to the Ephesians um, a little while ago in the summer of last year. So we've looked at that letter. We're now looking at this one that he writes to Timothy. So who is Timothy? Timothy is this uh, young man who's been chosen, as I say, by Paul to lead the church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing to Timothy with certain key instructions as to how to care for the church that is now under his care in Macedonia. And Paul uh, has left Timothy, and he's now travelled on into Macedonia, which is now Greece. And uh, we we can see that in verse 3. And uh, so Paul is now writing to Timothy from where he is, uh, and he is giving Timothy some instructions. From the history of Acts of the Apostles and the, and the letters, we can deduce that Paul is on now the fourth and final missionary journey. He had four missionary journeys in his career. <clears throat> and uh, he uh, wrote one Timothy, and then he wrote two Timothy. And we know from the end of two Timothy that Paul is near the end of his life. And, in fact, he dies in the year 68 AD at the hands of the Romans. And so, as I say, Timothy has been left in charge. Paul is travelling on, and Paul is now writing to uh, young Timothy. It's interesting to note that the two places where Paul spends most of his time in his missionary journeys, his missionary travels, are in Corinth and Ephesus. And that appears from his letters to have been the places where there were most problems going on in the early church. And so he spends a lot of his time writing to correct errors that are going on in the early church and to help certain people to uh, correct those errors. But then, of course, we shouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, Where God's ministers, where God's people are doing good work, that is the place where the evil one will come against us, against uh, them and and so therefore that is where is where the opposition is and so Paul um, in a way he devotes his time to helping those people those early churches to uh, contend against the wrong teaching that may be coming in and so in fact uh, on his final visit to them Paul warned the Ephesian elders to look out for opposition now you've got to do a little bit of digging to find it but it's in Acts chapter twenty. And so Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders on his final visit to Ephesus. So in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through to 31, this is what Paul says to the Ephesian elders. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in amongst you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So we can see there from what Paul says to the, to the Ephesians, he is in Ephesus there for three years. He spends a lot of time with the Ephesian church. And now it seems that indeed wolves have come in, as it were, to uh, attack the flock uh, in Ephesus. And so this is where Timothy is the church leader. And so Paul writes to address five big issues that the church is facing. Those are what Christians believe, 
how we should conduct worship, who should be chosen as leaders in God's church, how we should handle social responsibilities, and finally, what our attitude should be to material possessions. These are the five, if you read the letter, those are the five big things that Paul addresses. Uh, now, much of what he says, of course, is addressed to the context that, that uh, Timothy and the church is in, in Ephesus. And one of the things that is going on there is that there's a very strong affiliation to uh, the god Artemis, or Diana, the goddess of the hunt and of fertility. So these are obviously pagan, a pagan god. And um, <clears throat> the temple of Artemis in Ephesus was one of the major wonders, the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the population of Ephesus was very proud of that goddess, that uh, uh, that temple. There's also the general context going on of a culture where authority and influence comes with years and, and therefore to be considered wide, wise, you need to be old. That's another uh, bit of context for you. One of the things we'll, we'll discover as we go through, this, through the letter is that the church is absolutely central to Paul's thinking. Can you see why that is? It's because the church is the visible messenger of the gospel of Christ. The church is the vehicle, is the means by which God has chosen to reveal and to preach and to communicate the gospel to the world around us. And so therefore, when the, when the world looks at the church, when the world looks at us, the world is in a, in a sense making its mind up about whether the church is glorifying God and his gospel or undermining his gospel. And so therefore, again, we're reminded of the awesome privilege that we have as church and it also the mind-blowing responsibility we have as church in order to uh, glorify God and the gospel of Christ. Mind-blowing, isn't it? So, with all that in mind, let's look at the first part of chapter 1 and uh, I'll reread the first three verses where Paul writes, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy, my true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul begins in his usual style. This is the usual uh, way that Paul addresses uh, his letters. He describes who he is. He then describes who he's writing to. And then he reminds the readers of all the blessings that they have. Often we read these letters, we kind of jump over them, and we think, oh, that's, that's interesting, but it's not that important. Actually, the way here... Paul writes, is, is significant. So notice how he describes himself. Uh, he's not just uh, an apostle. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. So Paul is emphasizing, he's, he's, he's putting it in bold, with a capital letters underlining it, that Paul is writing as an apostle has one given authority by God himself. He is given uh, divine authority by the command of God our Saviour and of Jesus Christ our hope. That by the command of, that's a, that's a sort of a, a way that ancient letters would have been used as a formula there going on. It's an official letter of authorization Paul is writing to Timothy. Um, have you ever heard of the Royal Command Performance? Um, it's a bit of an older term, but it's now, it's now known as the Royal, the Royal Variety Performance. You may have watched it on TV. Basically, it's, it's 
by the royal command of the queen or the king, they command that people come and perform for them, essentially. Um, so it's not quite like that, but essentially that's what they're doing. The command is to come and do something for them, for the entertainment. And so a little bit like that, Paul is saying, I am giving you this command by royal authority, by divine authority. He's speaking on behalf of God himself. And he's addressing Timothy, my true son in the faith. And so there you've got this this phrase, you can translate that as, as loyal or true. Basically, Paul is saying, you are, Timothy, you are my legitimate child, as it were. He's not actually his son, but it's as if Timothy is a, a true son to Paul. Uh, Timothy travels all over the Roman world with uh, Paul, and, and hears his teaching and spends lots of time with Paul. Paul was the one who helped, uh, was there when Timothy became a Christian. Um, and Timothy has learned a lot from Paul. He is his spiritual son. He is faithful to Paul's teaching. We know also later on in uh, this letter, in 1 Timothy, that Paul addresses Timothy as a young man. We don't know how old he was, probably mid-30s, uh, maybe late 30s. Um, again, from the letter, we can work out he was, he's shy. Uh, he's a little bit of unsure of himself, not surprising in the context, because people are probably looking down on him as not very old. Uh, and yet, so Paul addresses him as his true son in the faith. And thirdly, then, Paul binds it all together, this, this opening greeting, in who God is and who God, what God gives to us. He, he, call, he says, God has given us his grace, mercy, and peace. He's poured those out upon us. We'll come back to that in, in a little, little while. Then Paul goes on to address some historical and geopolitical and geographical context that's going on. Verses 3 and 4. He says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work which is by faith. The big thing to get hold of here is that Timothy is charged with leading this church in Ephesus in Paul's absence and particularly with instructing the church in correcting false teaching, false doctrines. And Paul emphasizes this big style. Timothy is to instruct certain people who is to correct some different teaching that is coming into the church. Some false teaching that's kind of, that is coming into the church. Different to taught by the apostles. So the apostles, the apostles are, are the main teachers of the church. Some people are bringing in teaching that is, is contrary to the apostles' teaching. And so there are certain truths as Christians we need to hold on to. Whatever. We mustn't swear from. Things such as, there's lots of them, Think the Apostles' Creed comes to mind. What, is, what it says in the Apostles' Creed, we mustn't swerve from as church. There's other things, of course. And yet in this context, Paul emphasizes grace, mercy, and peace as central. Looking at how Paul puts it, it seems that these people who are coming with wrong te- the wrong teaching are emphasizing the law. 
the, the use of the law. Um, we'll look at this a little bit next week. Um, John Language is preaching on the second bit of this, this, this chapter, or the second bit of this part of the chapter. And, and it seems as if some people are misusing the law. And now you must remember that the law isn't bad, the law is good, but you can misuse the law. You can use it in the wrong way. And so Paul refers to myths and genealogies. And again, you have to kind of try and work out what that's about. We don't know for sure what he's talking about, but it's, it must, it's probably something to do with some people who are retelling um, the book of Genesis and um, mistelling the story of the people of Israel and saying that the people of Israel were the only people of God. Uh, that's part of what is going on, we think. Part of the other thing that's going on is that the, these false teachers are promoting things like celibacy. Um, they're also promoting abstinence from certain foods, and this is addressed later on in the letter uh, that Paul writes to Timothy. Won't get bogged down in that at the moment. The problem with that false teaching is it, it ends in speculation. It, it, that sort of false teaching it sort of encourages meaningless talk, and it's it's kind of a, it's not very helpful. Uh, way of doing things, rather than, as Paul says, training in, in righteousness and faith. Uh, I, I don't know whether you um, went to university when you were younger. Um, I had the privilege of going to uh, a university. I won't tell you which one it was. Um, but I remember spending hours and hours talking about all sorts of things late into the night, had coffee and other things. Um, and sort of it's a little bit like, well, what's the point in a way? But it's, that's kind of what students do, isn't it? They spend hours and hours talking about sometimes really not all that important stuff. That's what Paul is kind of getting at here. People who spend hours and hours talking about, you know, not, not all that helpful, all that important kind of thing. Instead of doing that, Paul says, focus on Christ. And so he says in verse 5, the goal of this command, the goal of what he's teaching is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now that takes a little bit of unpacking, but as we begin, we're at the start of a new year, aren't we, 2024, and as we start this year, this is a good test for us to apply to our lives and how we spend our time, where we put our energy into or what we put our energy into and so paul says the goal of this command the whole point if you like of all of this is simply love so that we love christ more deeply and that we love each other as christians it, that that love for each other is enriched as well and so i'm going to ask you some searching questions now and i just want you to kind of hear them and, and you know It'll be up to you to sort of work out how you respond to them. But let me just pose me and you some, some big questions as we start this, this year. Is the goal of what we do and say as church and as individuals to love God and each other? And does that come from a pure heart? Which leads to other searching questions. Is the result of our study of the Bible, is the result of our study of God's word, genuine love for, for one another? Or does it lead to hardness of heart 
or a critical spirit? Does our life of faith lead to a good conscience? In other words, do you feel encouraged and assured as you read the Bible, or do you despair that you'll never manage to reach God's standards? You'll never manage to keep God's law well enough. Does your, does my journey of following Jesus produce a sincere faith in God? Or in other words, does what you learn, does what I learn, teach you that faith in God is all we need to be right with God? Or does it make you wonder whether God is testing you to see if you will fail? You see, we need to be discerning. We need to keep our spiritual eyes and ears open as we travel the way of faith together. We know there is much out there at the moment that can so easily lead us away from, as Paul says, the goal of love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And so as we enter this new year, Paul reminds us of the blessings we have in Christ. We have grace, we have mercy, we have peace in his name. We have grace. The free gift of grace is, is that God says we are, we are friends of his because of the cross of Christ. We, when we come to him, we are his sons and his daughters through his grace. The free gift of grace. We have mercy. God looks upon us with mercy. He looks upon us as, as Kevin, I listened to Kevin's uh, uh, preach last week. He, God looks upon us with joy. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. Unadulterated joy. And he gives us his peace. He gives us that peace, his peace, that passes all understanding. A peace that the world cannot understand. So these are just a few verses, the few opening verses of this letter. As I say, we'll be uh, looking at it more as we cover the next few weeks. But I just want us, as I finish, I want us to simply rest in God and bathe in his grace, his mercy, and his peace. Because we have an amazing God. We serve a wonderful God, don't we? He pours out his grace, his mercy, his peace upon us as we lean on him, as we love each other, as we serve the world around us. And so let's enter this new year determined to receive again his love to enjoy his love in our lives and share the good news of Jesus in this village and, of course, further afield as God leads and guides us. So as a way of responding, as a way of reflecting, um, uh, there's a song that uh, we'll have now called Grace to Grace, and it talks about, reminds us of the wonders of God's grace in our lives. So just receive from God as you hear it.
Let's continue in prayer. God of light and life, may our prayers rise before you this day in hope and faith. We pray for your church, for our community, our friends and relations. Flame of abundant love, be our joy 
in proclaiming your good news to those we meet and to the world. We pray for all those who come to faith, all who wonder about faith, and those who are struggling with faith. Light of all creation, guide us to lead, to teach, and to nurture your disciples. We pray for those in need of food, shelter, clothing, and of God's healing touch. Comforter of the suffering. Warm our hands to loving service and to prayer. We pray for the world, especially those areas where there's troubles and suffering, both near and far. Ember of steadfast care, fuel our passion to challenge injustice and violence and to pursue peace and reconciliation. And we pray for the land on which we stand and live, for people, creatures, plants and waters. Star that blazes in glory, lead us to care for this fragile earth. And God of radiant light, your love illuminates our hope before we even know them and our needs before we ask. Kindle your flame within us that in our prayers and service we may know your transforming presence at work within us and within the world around us. This we ask through the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Before the children come back, we're going to sing a song together. Uh, Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. And if you'd like to stand, if you're able. Thank you, Sue.
children are coming back to join us. Can I make a suggestion? If you can't be with us in person tonight for the prayer time, how about setting aside seven till eight, wherever you are, just to join in prayer with us? And if it helps, maybe light a candle, a flame to represent the presence of the Holy Spirit with you as it will be with us here in church. And here they come. Would you like to come and tell us what you've been up to this morning? Still clutching their glow sticks. <laughs> Do you want some? Here we go. Are you ready? We've got some lovely friends visiting from another part of the country as well. So we had Helen and her boys, Sammy and Eliza. And uh, thank goodness for Helen. <laughs> we were looking at, can you remember which part of the Bible we were looking at today? What was the name of the person we were thinking about? It begins with a T. Timothy. We were looking at Timothy 1, verses 1 to 7, and we were looking at his... We were looking at the theme of peace, grace, well, grace, peace, mercy, and peace. We've, look, we've looked at peace quite a lot before, so we knew lots of words. It started off thinking about things that weren't peaceful, and then we started thinking about things that were peaceful. What was the name of those words? What was that? Oh, some other one. Uh, peace is perhaps showing gentleness, being confident, calm, having space, being happy, relaxed, and and a reality to it that peace is uh, fighting and avoiding all evilness, or being annoying, being scared, and being and not all that sometimes. And then we looked at grace. <laughs> we left that one. Uh, and then Grace was um, being thankful and, and, and uh, being surprising, being thankful, sharing, being lucky, being a good teammate. Sometimes he doesn't because we've got to learn lessons. So we play a game called Mercy. Not the game you're thinking of where you hurt each other. But we each had a heart. You show your heart. Um, that's their, that was their mercy, God's mercy. And then I gave back more mercy. But they were only allowed to have one bit of mercy, so they had to keep passing them on. And then it was what do we do with the person who's ended up offended? We had loads of people join you. And what did you do? You, we had too many. So we're just and we're talking about how we we're all learning to sh share God's word and stories about Jesus and become Christians for ourselves if that's what we feel we want to be. I actually asked them at the beginning why they came to church. Some of them had no idea. <laughs> I just come because Mum made me. <laughs> but you know that's what we're trying. 
Thank you, thank you. And so to close our service, a blessing. Our loving Heavenly Father, send us out from here with a desire to let others see the difference you make in our lives. Shine brightly in our hearts so that others might be attracted to Jesus. Give us courage and the help of your Holy Spirit and may all the glory be given to you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.